You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast with Neil Griffiths, with me, Neil Griffiths. Thanks for listening. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a great week. Look, this week's episode is very special because it brings two people in Manhattan together, one being myself and one being Nick Littlemore of Penal. Nick came on the show this week while the guys were in town to talk about the group's new single with fellow Aussie and pop star Troy Sivan. It's called You Know What I Need, and it is out right now. I actually caught Penal in New York this past week who we were in town playing some shows and it was great to properly catch up with Nick since doing the podcast back in November last year. We got to talk about the new collab with Troy Sivan and the crazy year they've had since the release of the Cold Heart remix with Elton John and Dua Lipa late last year. The song has cracked a billion streams earlier this year and as well as that they've released remixes for Lizzo, Tame Impala and Diana Ross and the soundtrack for Baz Luhrmann's Elvis film. So we spoke about all of that and even more new music coming from Penal very soon. And it feels like I've been doing some quarterly updates on the status of Empire of the Sun lately, which Nick features in with Luke Steele. I have been nagging both of those guys for over two years now about what is going on with this band. But this is the biggest update yet. Empire of the Sun fans, prepare yourselves for 2023. To find out more, check out this week's Plugged Podcast with Nick Littlemore right now. Welcoming back to the podcast for the second time in a year, or just over a year actually, it's Nick Littlemore from Penal. Nick! Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Neil. It's always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, and this is the Manhattan edition, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> I do. We just learned, like, so spoiler alert, right before we started recording, I learned that you are still in Manhattan in the same area as me, apparently. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're probably, well, maybe a stone's throw, but there'll be a few buildings in the way. <laughs> How, how's it all going, man? Um, I, We'll get into all the, the fun talk soon, but just to, to quickly recap, um, you guys did two shows in the US, one in LA and then one in New York last week that I was lucky enough to go to. Um, how's the trip been, man? What what brings you to town? Uh, well, you know, it was two things. It was the, the tour, of course, um, mm-hmm. but also Thanksgiving. My, my wife is from the States, she's from New York, so it was lovely to see the family. And, uh, you know, obviously I love coming to New York. I'm sure you, you feel the same way. There's a lot of good shows on here at the moment. I went and saw the Alex Katz retrospective at the Guggenheim. Oh, how's that? Is well worth seeing. Uh, is yep. a painting started, I think, probably around the early '60s uh, yep. or late, 50s, and worked all the way up until until recently, I think. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I love New York. I find it very inspiring to be here. I try and be mm-hmm. here as many in the year as I can. We, we will live here eventually i'm sure again but yeah have you have you lived in new york previously yeah about 10 years ago i was here for two years um but had so much work in los angeles that it just didn't make sense to be flying around all the time yeah where are you primarily based now because i know when we did this in november last year i think you had just moved from la back to sydney because you had been in la for the majority of lockdown right yeah, we. I still live in LA, but we escaped COVID for like eight months in Australia, yeah. um, and that was incredible because there was no COVID there. Um, mm. But yeah, LA's been been our home for yeah about eight years now, 
um, and it's it's a great place to live. It's a very isolating place, but that can be good for an artist, I think, or a creative because you have something definitely to write about um, mm. and something to overcome. It was it was so good seeing you guys back in New York because I was saying earlier as well. The last time I saw Pinal would have been Falls Festival 2020, which I think was like the first of January 2020, right before COVID started. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we're now six days after the New York performance, and fuck, it was just good to see you guys back on stage. And you guys looked like you were having a blast as well. Yeah, you know, I I love that uh, you can have a career um, that will constantly drop you right back down to, you know. No production, small crowds, um, you know, battered speakers, small stage, all that. And you really have to test your, your metal again. And it's like, are we as good as these 20-year-olds coming up on stage? Can we, can we still muster it with that energy without all the, um, the history, you know? And mm. I find that really exhilarating. I know you guys did some uh, Australian shows right before, maybe a couple of months before these American shows. Is this like the first time you guys have really gotten to be back on stage properly post COVID? Yeah, I mean, it, yes, probably. That we just did a run in Australia at the Grass is Greener Festival. Yeah, uh, and the beauty of that was that it took us up to far north Queensland to Cairns, and we had a day off. We we got to see the Daintree Rainforest, which I've never seen, oh, wow. and that was kind of life changing, actually. Um, I realised I'd wasted my life in warehouses and I should have been in rain, <laughs> but whatever, there's time. Yeah, well, being in the concrete jungle isn't really the ideal place if you love your forest, is it? No, no. <laughs> and the thing is I love both almost equally, I think, but there is a giddiness that one gets when I think <laughs> you're surrounded by just complete and utter beauty. Uh, and Australia is host, as you know, to the oldest and most pristine rainforest on the planet. And I mm. think most of us take it for granted. I mean, you know, I've never been there before and I had had ample opportunity and I sort of really kicked myself as I was floating in that river. It was unbelievably beautiful. It is weird. Like even I've only been in New York for a few months, but going for a walk through Central Park, it's like, oh, greenery, nature, this is weird. And like, again, I've grown up in Sydney my whole life, born and raised. And just going through Central Park is just a fucking treat. Yeah. You know, you so need it in a, in a concrete mm. place, that little bit of greenery. Um, and, of course, an, an hour out of New York in any direction, and you can be in the wild sure. again. Yeah. But uh, there's a different kind of wildness here in, in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, I'm learning that. Um, it's, it's, again, it's great to chat to you because we did this podcast I think mid-November last year. So happy over one year anniversary. Um, but it's it's crazy to think about like when you guys have had such a, a massive year in regards to the music you've released and success you've had, you know, starting with the the typical, the Cold Heart remix that came out in August last year. We spoke in November. It was obviously a hit immediately, but I think in June or July this year, it's it's cracked a billion streams it's the biggest song of the year, last year and this year. And Elton John himself is playing it on stage. I mean, for people who've seen that Disney Plus special at Dodger Stadium, Dua Lipa came out on stage and they performed it together. How has the last 12 months been for you guys 
specifically in regards to that. So again, Penal is is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, dance act in Australia. It's not like this is a, a story of zero to hero. But that song has taken on a whole life of its own. How has the response and the feedback been from your end? Well, I've had the the enormous opportunity a couple of times to have a hit. And mm. when you have a hit, it's an incredibly humbling experience. Um, this is a, is a collaborative hit at best for us. Um, and it was, you know, I wouldn't say bittersweet, so obviously, the frontline artists being Dua and Elton got most of the accolades, but for us to be carried along with that, it's, you know, it's changed our lives. Uh, and it's, it's opened up a market to us that we could never have dreamed of. The, the beauty about music is that longest you, the longer you stay in it, the longer you believe the dream, the more magic can occur. And I think uh, my career is, is a perfect example of never giving up. And how important that is for young artists. You see so many talented artists in their 20s. A lot of them drop off in their 30s. They think they have to get real jobs and everything else. But if you stay in there, great things will happen. Stay open, keep listening, keep working. You've had a hit before, whether it's Panel, whether it's Empire of the Sun. You've, you guys did an album with Elton John a few years back as well. Is it easy to navigate that space when you do get such a big song and a hit song I imagine there are people that kind of want a slice of that pie and people want to come into your camp. Is it easy for you these days to kind of navigate who we want around us, particularly when a song like that blows up to the level that it does? No, I don't think it's ever easy to navigate it because it is an extraordinary thing. It's a very unnatural thing for your song to reach a billion people. Um, it's, I think, you know, as humans, we haven't been able to communicate to people in the other village for more than, what, 150 years, maybe we could have flag up a pole or we could shoot a cannon or something. But And now suddenly we're talking to people in 183 countries around this globe. It's, this is an extraordinary experience. And most of the time, obviously, you're not there to, to be there with the people while they're hearing your music. But there are people living their whole full lives with these songs as their soundtrack. And it's, it's such an honour and such a privilege that people will carry our music with them. We, we spoke in that last podcast as well that there were some names that you couldn't really say at the time that you were in talks to work with. You want to work with them. They want to work with you. Again, in this last 12 months, you've you've done a remix for Lizzo. You've done a remix for Diana Ross and Tame Impala, that brilliant Elvis Don't Fly Away remix for Baz Luhrmann's Elvis film. Were these the names you were talking about then or are these just a few and there are hundreds more? Well, there's not hundreds more, um, but there are some really special people that we've, through uh, Cold Heart, we have been fortunate enough to meet and to collaborate with. There's there's some records coming that are going to knock your socks off. I mean, starting with this Troy Sivan record, which mm. we love. Um, we worked with Troy right at the beginning of his musical career uh, when he came to Los Angeles and uh, I think it was the first studio the first studio session I did at my house because uh, we were still building the downtown place mm. and Troy uh, is just such a beautiful person and so easy to get along with and, and very bright very fascinated by things it was it was wonderful to have that come full circle and to now have a single with him. And he's been so cool along the way. 
adding incredible ideas. He rewrote the bridge and made it just just perfect. His performance is great. And then I love what he did with the video. He shot it himself. And then oh. we collaborated with a um, company in Poland called Melt, who specialize in artificial intelligence. And so we put Troy's video that he just shot on a on a you know an SLR simple camera. We put that through the mainframe, I guess, if you will, and mm. where the AI can kind of get at him. And if you've watched the video, it's it's yeah. quite a melty experience to say the least. Yeah. Well, and this is it's funny you mentioned that because funny when, when it when it was brought to my attention this song, I was like, oh shit, this is awesome, Pinel and Troy Zavan. But fans of your music will know that, uh, especially recently, you've kind of put a focus on working with up and coming acts. You know, we, we talk about Alistair Wright with Blossom. We can talk about Bajira. Um, Troy Savan is obviously not only one of the biggest pop names in Australia in the world. It's funny that you mentioned that this actually your first session with him was many years ago. How did this come together in the sense of you have worked with this artist before, but now you're working with him much many years later when he's huge. He's not a burgeoning artist anymore. Yeah, I mean, we work with a lot of people and we always have. Rarely is it for us. Um, I just finished when I was in Sydney a few weeks ago. I did a week with two brilliant young composers, namely Butterbath and James Gales, and we I brought in Jess, Jessica Malboy into those sessions, wow. um, who is an extraordinary singer and just an incredibly beautiful human. Um, and that's just what, one small example, but there are always things going on in, in the background of other people we're writing with. But with the use of Cold Heart, we got Pinal to a level where we can collaborate with these megastars and have it be a Pinal record. And that's, mm -hmm. it's been a game changer for us. Working with Troy, was this you guys calling him or their guys called you and said after Coltan, okay, let's let's do something together? We had this record that we'd started. Um, I sorry, let me explain. Peter, myself, and Sam um collaborated with Reuben James, who's a Birmingham-born, London-based pianist and um singer and artist. And he came into the studio one day with Kevin Garrett, who's a big song, singer-songwriter from the US. And we just tried this little idea. It sat on the drive for a while, um, maybe a year or more. Peter rediscovered it during COVID. Uh, he was going down every day, working alone. I was working alone. Sam was, we were all in our own spaces. And he kept banging about this, this record. It wasn't a full record at that point. It was just ideas, but there was something magical about it. We got it to a place where it felt really playable. We played it to Sony. They flipped out and then they went, oh, well, this is perfect for Troy. And then it all just sort of sort of locked in. Um, actually, our, our friends who are the label for Empire of the Sun in Australia with EMI, they mm -hmm. helped getting Troy on board and everything. It just it was, it was just easy and, um, yeah. A bit like the song, there's a real effortless feeling with the song. Uh, obviously, a lot of time and energy went into it, but it was never hard. You know, it wasn't one of those ones you had to struggle to get right. And I find often those magical records are like that. They're not laboured upon. Yes, you put a lot of time into it, but it doesn't feel like work. You talked about it being a full circle moment. Did you get to have a moment of sorts with Troy and say, like, holy shit, look what we've done in the last 10 years? 
Uh, we haven't. Um, I haven't been in the room with him on this record. Right. Uh, as you might imagine, Troy, like any of these superstars, is in every other city every other day. Um, yeah. But are we, I'm sure we will have that um, that aha moment um, at some point, yes. Looking to take your home recording studio to the next level? The new Audio-Technica AT2020 USB-X condenser microphone has been specifically designed for musos, podcasters, and content creators who want the best quality sound with the easiest setup possible. It features a built-in headphone jack with volume control to let you directly monitor the microphone signal with no delay, and has a silent touch-sensitive mute button to quickly and easily mute audio at the microphone. Whether you're looking for the best streaming microphone or looking to enhance your content creation for YouTube videos, the AT2020 2020 USB-X is the optimal choice for all types of content creation. For more details on how you can get your hands on this microphone, head over to audiotechnica.com. Are you enjoying that kind of, not level of attention, but like I said before, you you really do work and, and have such a great track record working with younger up-and-coming artists. Are you as comfortable working with you know a do a leaper if you got in the studio with her is that something you welcome or do you really just love working with up-and-comers or even undiscovered talent i mean i i like to i guess work with a combination of talents um there's something about the new the young the energetic the the sort of curious minds of an artist who's just starting their journey that Mm -hmm. i i I do love that and I love to impart knowledge that I didn't necessarily get imparted to, um, you know, I had limited experience in Sydney at that time. There weren't a lot of people to meet who were doing international things, especially not in dance music. Um, So I I try and pay things forward and, um, you know, I guess it's a little bit like being an AA and then you want to go around and apologize. (laughs) being a dick but rather than doing that i just want to go around and help as many people as i can and and go go around and make records with those that i promised that we'd make a record and we never did um but there's there's so many people to work with uh it's it's endlessly fascinating and exciting and music always lifts me up i know you tweeted recently as well like a bunch of new music that's coming out like i know you're doing a collaboration with uh australian artist uh john john gilly sorry don't know why i forgot his name um that's coming out you just mentioned there you've done stuff with jessica mowboy are all these under the Panyao umbrella or is this nick Littlemore working with other artists or are they both well yeah i think if things i do a lot of collaborations and if things if those collaborations go a certain way and they feel like they enter the Pinyao sphere, then I play it to Sam and Pete and say, well, should we work on this? Should we strip it back and then remake it and, you know, do that whole Pinyao thing on it? Um, Often I want to send records into a weirder place uh, and there's not that pressure on those records that there is on a Pinyao thing, especially at this point, the bar is, it's quite high, you know, Mm. in a quite specific way. And I, I made, I guess a pretty um, deliberate choice to make strange music outside of Pinal so that it wouldn't be too much crossover. It's not dance music. It's, it's more music for meditation or for um, long walks, mm. dancing. 
particularly. I mean, interpret <laughs> interpretive thing, I suppose. But <laughs> um, last time we spoke as well, again November twenty twenty one, which already feels like a lifetime ago. We we did speak a little bit about if a new Pinal album was coming. Obviously, the last one was in twenty seventeen. But it's funny over this last year and particularly coming out of COVID, a lot of the musicians I've spoken to have gone off the album format altogether. They say, no, I'm done with albums. The rest of my career is just going to be a song here, a song there, maybe an EP if I feel like it. But the days of, you know, putting two or three years into an album and the album cycle and touring is gone. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's completely gone i understand that the listening experience for most people out there has changed significantly and you can now cherry pick an artist's career those five songs they might not be the biggest hits but they're the ones you love the most and you put that in with you know hundreds of other artists that you love and you make these playlists or the the ones that are made for you based on the things you you gravitate towards but i think that the concept of a bigger story is always going to be relevant even if you don't have to tell it through 10 songs or 43 minutes or 34 minutes or whatever it is, I think it's still valid to go through the process of making what we call an album. Um, certainly in the, the live experience, it is an album of sorts. Uh, it's a body of work. Whether or not that's new or old, everything always gets remixed when we're talking about Pinal shows, same with Empire shows. Everything's always the newer version of this mm-hmm. or that. Um, I I still love albums. There are still some albums that I listen to a lot. Um, so I don't I don't know. People like to make great declarations, and I'm <laughs> chief among those people. But uh, <laughs> I I have a feeling that it it may can't come back around to the place where um, albums are relevant again, and, and yeah. people make bodies of work. Well, I know that you guys do have so much, like you've released a lot of music and I know you previously said you have so much more music to come. Is the intention to put that into an album or are these kind of similar to what this choice of on single is, just kind of one ounce? Well, with Pinal, we're going to do a series of singles. I know that for sure. Um, We have three right now that are scheduled um, for the next long to short to long while. And then with my other stuff, you know, I've been sort of dark about it all for a little while and then I posted all that stuff about, oh, I'm going to put these records out. They're sitting on my drive like right now and I just <laughs> get my act together and put them out. But it's, it is a funny thing. Um, I was putting out records for a long time and then I sort of started to get nervous about it. I'm not sure why um, I need to overcome that and and keep sharing music you know even if it's only for a couple of hundred people it doesn't really matter it's it's just a funny thing isn't it when you start to reach billions of people those other records that don't they shouldn't feel like failures because i don't i don't think they are it was never the intention to reach everyone with without these other projects but there's there's something that changes in you when you reach a billion people sorry yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's hard for it not to change your outlook a little bit. It's weird. When we think about Australian dance music as well, the only other person that I kind of think fits under that umbrella that you do, which is so many different hats, would be your Empire of the Sun bandmate, Luke Steele. I've had mm. him on, I've done a few recordings with him. Each time we're promoting, there's there's Empire, 
Then there's H3000. Then there's Dreams with Daniel Johns. He's just released a, a debut solo album. Doing so, so much with, under so many different branches. Does that become overwhelming or similar to what you just said? Once one kind of pokes its head above the rest, you've just got to narrow your attention on that one thing. Yeah, I, it's, you certainly are in, in some moments forced to focus. Yeah. Uh, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, I think Luke and I first probably got together because we were both very prolific and we're, we we're always both interested in a lot of different music. Um, even though we've in some ways stayed in our lanes or we had at that point, um, once we collided and collaborated, it became very clear that we wanted to outdo each other with weirdness and pulling this reference and that reference and making that all work together. And Luke, as you know, is is utter genius. And the way he works with melody where he delivers a line, I mean, it still cuts me up. I can listen to, I don't listen to Empire that much because I do get quite emotional with a lot of these records. Even though I'm a part of them, I can still remove myself from them because, you know, Jono and Peter are still involved and, and Luke, of course, is just, it's an oracle, you know. I'm always, I'm bouncing between you and Luke every three or four months and I get an update here and there. I know you guys, or at least you tweeted you were going to the studio with Luke. Oh, man, and- we we have some amazing records coming. I was about to jump on a call for this um, to schedule them, but it's, yeah, next year is going to be super exciting for, for Empire the Sometimes. Are we talking album? Now I'm prying. Well, you know, we didn't do the call, so I can't tell you exactly what we did, <laughs> but I'll tell you that next year is going to be really exciting. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, that's, that's so good to hear. Um, I know that you're, where are you? I'm assuming you're going back to LA after this stop in New York. Yeah, I'll be going back to LA for a bit, but then I'm going to be based in New York for a month or more. Um, I've been making a record with a Japanese jazz trio who play here in Midtown, a Japanese speakeasy jazz club on 53rd and 3rd here in Manhattan called Tony Jazz. So doing that over the Christmas break, which should be super exciting. How, how often are they playing? This is only relevant to people who are in New York now. Yeah, it's on every night, um, right. different different players, but they're all Japanese yeah. uh, and they're all like Berkeley grads and it's really cool. Uh, jazz. Um, I'm making a synth orchestral album with a series of incredible keyboard players that I've been collaborating with. Um, and that is coming together. It's really, really exciting. I'm not sure where that's going to land, but it's really exciting. We've put strings on everything and working with this incredible string arranger called Sean Ramprasad. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really exciting album. Very mm-hmm. transcendental, very spiritual record. I forget if it was an album or just some songs last time you told me you were working on with Steve Kilby of The Church. Yeah, we have an EP, a five-track right. EP. It's mixed. Yep. It's ready to go. Um, I just ne- I need to get my act together, you know? And maybe this is the moment. Um, maybe I'm just going to do it tonight. I'm just going to get it, get it together. Hey, well, you were just so before this call, you were meant to have an Empire of the Sun meeting. Are you, are you having some time off? You need to relax a bit. No, I'm having lots of time. I'm having too much time off. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I need to have less time off. Um, you know, um, I've got a baby on the way. 
Congratulations. And thank you. Um, so there's going to be a lot of time off coming. So right. I really want to get a lot of things done. Um, and maybe that's, you know, part and parcel with the midlife crisis and <laughs> becoming a father. I, but I just really want to, I want a lot of the music that I have because it sits on your shoulder when you've written a record and you haven't put it out. It, yeah. It's much better just to get it out there in the real world, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's crazy that you're going to be your father, number one. That's wild. Congratulations again. But well, it's wild, but I mean, everyone, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people end up being parents. Yeah, but it's still exciting. It is. It's very daunting too. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Like I, I'm sure I'll eventually be a father, but right now I just, you know. Yeah, look, you're living your best life. You're in Midtown, it's yeah. Coles. Yeah. Is, is this the first time in New York? No. No, but first time being here for longer than, you know, a month at a time. How long are you going to be here? Indefinite, to be honest. Uh, respect, man. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, well, because obviously we, we were meant to move to L.A., pre-COVID and then COVID happened and then a window opened up and we just said, fuck it, let's go to New York. So how long have you been? Since June, well, I was here between May and July and then I had to go back to Australia and then I've been back here since the end of September. And you've been exploring, obviously. Yeah, a lot of exploring. Like I said, like obviously got to see you guys last week, just seen a lot of music because for the majority of this last 18 months, particularly in Australia, there's been nothing going on. So it's Mm. just good to be out again and seeing things and hearing things yeah it's nice to have that feeling again of being in a room of crowded people mm. i love it. yeah and that that canal club show as well like i can't remember the last time that i was in with like such a, a great well-known band in such a what would you call it like a it kind of it felt like a club show it, it felt like a legitimate club show yeah it was the most studenty show we've done in a long time and studenty um, well, you know, yeah, because I remember touring with Teenager way back when and yeah. we were all playing those sorts of venues. And, you know, yeah, it's a lot of students and it's that that feeling. Uh, and I, I love that feeling because, yeah, you got class tomorrow, but you can still drink. <laughs> Maybe you'll yeah. stay up, you know. Well, when, when are you expecting to come back to town? Um, because, again, like that was my question right before was that if you're planning to start a family next year, and you have all this Pinal music and Empire music and all these different collaborations, is it going to be a, a heavy touring year for you or is it more just knocking some music out and then going back to do that, that whole dad life thing? Well, we, we hope to do a lot of touring in the States. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm not someone that likes to miss shows. I did miss a few when I had... Um, my illness mm-hmm. uh, and and Peter and Sam picked up the reins. And then when Peter had his kids, um, he took some time out and we toured. So, you know, Pinyao can work in different ways. I wouldn't want to miss too many shows. Um, ideally, I wouldn't miss any. Um, and we will continue to tour. It's only ever for a week or two. And then there's usually a moment to fly back. We've never done those bus tours where you're away for nine weeks and you do every, yeah. you know, doghouse and hen house. But um, mm. I would love, I would relish the opportunity to jump on a bus and go around America or Europe for that matter. And the beauty, I guess, with the Empire as well is that are we still sticking with that pact where you don't perform with Luke? 
I think so. I, I, we might do some special performances together. I'd yeah. imagine that that's something that's much more likely uh, to happen now in the future. Uh, Luke and I are in a, a, such a beautiful space and creatively everything's just flowing. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a good time, you know? That's so exciting because I felt like I spent the last two years just grinding away at both of you trying to get something. And now you finally have some stuff in the bag. That's so good. Yeah, I, you know, I, as I said, if that call had, had happened a few hours ago, I would, would have given you dates. But just know that next year it's there's going to be a lot of exciting moments for Empire fans. I can't wait. Nick, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, and let me know when you're back in New York. I know you're, you've are you doing I will. Things, uh, when, so. I, when I get back, I'll be here in like the next two weeks. We should go to Tommy Jazz. I'll take you down. It's yes, really fuck fun. yeah. Yeah, we'll be Midtown Bros. Yeah, definitely. Well, dude, thank you so much again. Congrats on the new choice of Arn single. Can't wait to hear what's happening with Pinel and yourself and Empire in the next 12 months. But uh, to the listeners, we'll talk next time. But in person, we'll talk ideally in the next few weeks. Yeah, dope. Thanks, Neil. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it, man. Yes. This episode is proudly sponsored by Audio-Technica Australia. Subscribe, rate, and review The Plug on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Plug with Neil Griffiths and on TikTok at theplug.podcast to stay up to date with episode releases and giveaways.